What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show, Vintage and Stuff, with your host, Drew Heifetz. Today, I have a wicked episode. I have Maya of Mind's Eye Vintage on the show. We just met today, right now, on this episode. And uh, yeah, I think she's my third or fourth female guest on the show. I want more female guests on the show. She actually nominated my next female guest, so I'll be hitting them up soon. And it's a fucking wicked episode. It's a hammer of an episode. We talk about her history in the skate scene. She owned a skate shop in uh, Chicago, and she grew up through the skate scene in the 90s, uh, was heavy involved in the skate scene in San Francisco. She was also a graph writer, and she tells some amazing stories about getting up in Chicago, in Rome, San Francisco. Um, but, but the end all be all of this episode is the story of the murder house. Yes, you heard it right. The murder house. That's all I'm going to tell you. You got to listen to the episode. You got to hear the story of the murder house. It's super rad. Okay. Before we get into the episode, um, you know, you can get on my Patreon guys. You can get on my Patreon and you can support the show because this is a podcast funded by the people. And I appreciate all my patrons who have signed up, got a few new ones and, you know, get to ask the guests questions. You get access to the episodes early and lots of other perks. I'm posting cool stuff on there all the time. Lots of business tips. Um, There's also an exclusive clip from this episode that you can only access on the Patreon. So if you're interested, link down below to get involved, get on the Patreon and support this show. Also, if you want to go shop vintage on fisandfrankvintage.com, I'm going to give 30% off to all the listeners. 30% off. We're posting stuff on there all the time. The code is VTGN stuff. Again, that code and the link to the website will be down below in the show notes. But without further ado, this is a sick episode with Maya. A mind's eye vintage out of the Bay Area. Let's get into it. Mind's Eye Vintage. Yes. Welcome to the show. Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, I'm excited to have you. I think you're probably my third or fourth female guest. Not okay, quite sure. That's good. that's good. Okay. Um, but I'm excited to have you. You have a rich history in the business and you have a rich history in the skateboard scene, which is near and dear to my heart. Same. Very, very same. So I'm interested to get into it. Yeah. Um, so let's let's uh, rewind back to the beginning. 
Let's Man. start with your skateboard days. You actually owned a skate shop, and you grew up. You grew up in the Bay Area. No, I well, I grew up in Chicago. Okay. Um, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. Go White Sox. Um, and you know, yeah, I just grew up with like skateboarding, punk. I'm a, you know, I'm a hardcore kid. Uh, graffiti was like a really big part of coming up in Chicago too. Um, yeah, I so, want to yeah, know well, about that scene. I want to know about that scene. I want to uh, delve into that scene a little bit because yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like small town Canadian guy. You know, we used to we used to be interested in that scene because you know it's kind of goes hand in hand with skating and music it and does, you see it, totally. the culture, but we were not deep in it. So like yeah. Chicago, yeah, that's like a pretty hard town. Am I right? Yeah. It's a hard town. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't really be too faint of the heart to do it there. You know, you had a lot of factors aside from like the weather, there was like all the gang bangers and, you know, I would say like half of my friends that did graffiti were also sort of like, involved in gang stuff so it was a little more like <laughs> crime orientated than art orientated like when i moved to the bay area in uh in 1995 like 500 years ago um i was really like i love that it was more art based but it was also sort of weird for me as like a, a hard knocker like south side chicago kid i was kind of like oh what's this you know even though like i really loved it and it did me really you know it served me well but um but yeah, it was it was wild in Chicago back then, you know, and the cops were just like so crazy and the whole, you know, they would get if if they got out of their car, you knew you were going to get your ass whooped or you're going to like get chased or, you know, so it was there's a lot of like avoid, you know, there's a lot of games with the cops and but I I to be honest, like was pretty lucky cuz I was a female and they just never really suspected that like a little like white girl would be like up to no good. So I kind of, I'm very aware of like how much I got away with because of that. So but I took advantage of it, you know. Did So did you ever get arrested? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been arrested. Um, I actually got arrested in the fucking, I can't, I swear a lot. I'll try not to say no, that's I fine. This is okay. no whole barred here. <laughs> okay, love good. it. Let's go. Okay, cool. I got arrested in the fucking Bronx, New York in, I want to say 98 with cycle uh who he was from new york or he is from new york and lived in the bay for a, a couple of years and he was one of my like bombing partners back in the day but we traveled to new york together to go paint he was just like a super good friend of mine so we went to go paint uh these this daytime spot there's like these bronx walls of fame um and he was like you know he hadn't lived lived there for a few years so I suppose he should have checked in with his friends first, but he's like, oh, I know this really chill spot. We can go paint during the day. Cause back then in San Francisco days, you could like paint really, really easy during the day. So we went to these walls of fame, just painting, painting, painting. And then we see this like group of guys walking down the tracks and they kind of look like writers. They are kind of like thuggy looking. And so we're like, Oh, what's up? Oh, what's up? And then it was, you know, it was Vandal squad and they just like rested us, took us in um, I was in Bronx Central booking for like 30 hours. Oh, man. Was, yeah, I was like, man, I was leaving like in 48 hours. And so like basically I got out and like had like a half a day, like a, like, you know, half a day before I had to leave the next day. I was like so worried I wasn't going to get out before I had to go back home or back to San Francisco where I was living at the time. But yeah, it was pretty wild in there. So what's your what's your what's your writing name? Oh God! Uh, no, I, you know, um, my very 
first, well, I don't want to say my very first name because that's really embarrassing, but I'll say like the first name I wrote was Yahoo, which is like so stupid. Um, and then I just started writing my name, M-A-Y-A, Maya. Uh, okay. And then UE was like my main crew. So if you look at pictures from back in like San Francisco days, you'll see, see Maya UE tags. Nice. You're going to have yeah. to give me some pictures so I can put them oh, up yeah, on, yeah, on this got, podcast. Oh, yeah, I got stuff. I got, yeah. Do you have pictures of you actually doing graph back in the day? Oh, like me painting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I got pictures of that. I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, you had to take that stuff on, like, a real camera. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. It was – it's so funny. I threw away so many photos because I just thought, like, Ugh, whatever, you know, like, there'll always be photos, but, you know. Not, not, not so like anymore. today. They're not in the cloud. No, They're I know. Gone. Now I have like a trunk of them and I'm like, you know, I hoard them like gold. <laughs> what t- what t-shirt are you wearing? You're wearing an airbrush t-shirt, eh? Oh, yeah, I am. I'm wearing this shirt. Oh, you can see it. It says Blue- Blueberry. Blueberry. Uh, Playboy. That's my nice. old dog's name. Uh, it's just like a fair shirt that I got made of, like five years ago at like the county fair when you could go to the county fair and do stuff like that. When I first opened my store in 2007, I went to Florida with my girlfriend randomly to see her grandparents, and they still have those stores down there where they do the airbrushing. Oh, like on the boardwalk or whatever? Yeah, like oh. these tourist spots. So I got my all my staff, I got these custom yes. airbrush keys like that. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, every year I go, I get one, you know? Yeah. Nice. Okay, so let's yeah, get had, in, I, let's get into the yeah. skate scene a bit here. Yeah, let's get in there. So you own a skate shop, which is still going. I, I looked it up. Yeah. Uprise. Oh yeah, yeah. Uprise. I, I don't want to like you know, I don't want to toot the horn, but Uprise is a like a legendary shop, and it should be because it's been there for over twenty years. Um, and it started out. It was called Blue Town in nineteen ninety seven. So when I was living in San Francisco. Um, Uriah, who is the owner now, he got uh, an investor to open. So he got some money, a little bit of amount of money, and opened this shop called Blue Town. So I moved, and I was really excited because I was like, "Oh, all my friends! Like, we have the shop. We have, you know, it's all, we are all artists, and like, we have now we have this place to ourselves." So I moved back in '98, and it was the shop wasn't doing well, and they were just going to close it. And I just, you know, like in in a excuse me in a drunken cab ride home with one of my friends I was like he told me that they were going to close it and I was like oh no I'll buy it and then he's like really and I was like yeah fuck it I'll buy it I mean I just turned 24 and like like dude like two weeks later I was like signing contracts that's a big commitment yeah I don't know I had no you know I don't have any fear I I I'm not afraid to make mistakes and I I don't have much fear of failure because like I just figure it's something if if you fail whatever that means it's just you learn from your mistakes and and you move on you know so I just was like yeah fuck it I'll do it um I mean we didn't have a computer or anything like um but then so then when I took over wanted to change the name so we came up with Uprise um yeah, and then, you know, and it's kind of So did you have to have, was it a heavy buyout to get the store? No, it, was, no, it wasn't at all. They it were was, just ready to know, go. It, yeah, it was uh, 1998. It, was, it wasn't, like, very much, you know. It's like, whatever, it's 25 grand, you know. I mean, yeah, it was, they, it was. I mean, back then that was, like, a bit, but I had gotten, like, some money. I had gotten some money from an inheritance, and, like, I just spent all of it on the skate shop. I was like, whatever, here you go. Like, this is what I want to do, so... And in those days, you know, from my 
understanding. I mean, I grew up, I was like 17 then, 18. That was like a boom time for skateboarding. And that was a boom time for uh, shoes. Like shoe sales were floating the business, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy like pre-dongs but like the osiris like the like chad muska shoes like those big old weird like pillow shoes like oh god they're so bad (laughs) (laughs) i was a punk it was it was pretty rad like i was like i was a punk kid and then uriah who um was with he he stepped away from the business after the first year for a few years to go travel and skate or whatever but we had and then he came back and helped me run it but we had such a great like relationship business-wise as as also with friends, because he was more on like the kind of like hip hop chill vibe skater, and then I was like more like anti hero one fifty one like that kind of stuff. But that represent, and then there's all all so much in between. But both spectrums, we just represented like Chicago skateboarding really well. So it just like kind of works. So it would just always be funny because we like get these big shipments of D threes, and I'd be like, oh god, those are like the ugliest things ever, and they would just pay our rent like they just fly out the door pay our rent and i was like "Eh, well whatever you know that's cool (laughs) yeah totally it's funny looking back to that you know there was like the fresh and the hash right oh yeah that was like big then totally totally totally. and and that was kind of all there was i mean now i feel like there's probably like a hundred different like subgroups of skaters and everyone's into their own thing and it's totally totally accepted but it was like it was hash or fresh oh yeah no it was like it was such like the division of those two, like for sure. I mean, even just like, yeah, the kids that would come in, they would identify so much with either like as Hesh or fresh, you know, and because we were able to represent both of those at the shop for me and Uriah, you know, kids just felt comfortable. there being like, kind of like whoever they were, you know? Yeah. Was it, was there a lot of shops in the t- in town back then? Um, no, there wasn't. That's why we opened it was because there was just nothing like there was like, we had sessions back in the day, like when I was in high school and Matt Hensley used to work there and uh, I would buy my rave tickets from Matt Hensley, who was like super mod skinhead dude, which That's I was amazing. like very into like in high school, but then went to rave and started wearing big pants and was like so embarrassed that I'd have to like go buy my rave tickets from Matt Hensley. And I remember one time I had to buy uh, rave tickets. It was a $10 ticket and I had to go with a roll of quarters and they were like, so just would like make fun of me. They were like, I was like, oh, I'm just mortified. But I was like, whatever, I'm going to the rave and like yeah, you're doing like, drugs. So. Cash is cash. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to the party. I go to the party, man. Like it quarters work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there was always like a really strong skate scene in Chicago. But at that time, there wasn't, there was a Windward Sports was on Clark, but they sold like rollerblades and parasails and all kinds of other like weird shit so there was no core shop when we opened um and then when was it that you know we have uh west 49 in canada and now like zoomies there's like there's something like thousand zoomie stores across the country like was there anything like that back in those days in chicago well there wasn't um until no there there wasn't there was none of that stuff at all because like you know chicago we didn't I mean, it's like, it's like New York. It's like super urban. There's not a lot of like malls until you get out. I mean, there's like the mega mall where you can go get your hat embroidered and like a tattoo was from some dude with no gloves on. But like, there's, there's not like the malls with like all the mall stores until you get out to the suburbs and, you know, city kids, like we didn't go to the suburbs. Like you didn't need to, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, 
So there wasn't really anything like that. It was just a really, really core like street scene of like, and we all grew up together and we all hung out together. Um, And so it just felt like this really special time to be able to open something like that. And then also be able to share it with all the kids that were like coming up. And I think like by me joining Uprise, it kind of softened it a little bit, you know, like I was usually the only girl around a lot of dudes. So that was fine. But I think just with me being around, like, like, okay, for example, for when Blue Town was around, you know, every uh, skate shop has a couch, right? So the couch is like in the front of the store. So like the kids who are like all scared to go and buy their first complete have to walk past like 10 dudes sitting on two couches, you know, the it's like regulars the regulars that are just talking, <laughs> they're talking smack. Yeah, like Super the gauntlet. I was like, I was like, dudes, you guys, we gotta like, let's put the couches in the back by where we put the boards together. And like, and I feel like that just alone, like totally changed the dynamic. You know, it was like, go talk shit in the back while you're, and then we can, you know, the kids don't want to grip their own boards and like, we can make fun of them, but just like, let them come in the store and let them like, look around and like, feel cool and a part of something, you know? So yeah. Were you, do, were you doing yeah. buying for the shop? Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'd go to like the ASR trade shows. Yeah. That's where I learned like, I mean, just totally by accident. I mean, I think from growing up thrifting, I just always had an eye for like texture and just, I just had an eye for things that I thought were like, whatever that I thought were cool. I mean, hopefully other people think they're cool too, but, um, and so buying was really easy for me. I mean, the budgeting was the hard part, but Uriah was really good at that. So, um, but yeah, you know, just kind of trying to forecast, like buying a shoe and like, there's like, they present you with like eight colorways and you're like, okay, what's somebody going to like in like six to eight months? Like, you know, trying to figure that out, but I just always go with my gut. But yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we yeah, all the buying. Yeah. yeah. So, can you remember any crazy, any crazy trends from that era? That like, oh obviously, that you already mentioned the D three. Oh, yeah, the D three, God. Yeah, the D three. I guess like the other. I mean, this is like a little later on, but it was like how Hesh turned into like this weird like pirate skater, you know, with like. Whatever, like, I mean, Jim Greco is, like, a sick-ass skateboarder, but, like, and then, like, Corey Duffel, he's super sick. But their, like, style was, like, this super, like, flamboyant, like, pirate, pirate shirts and, like, jeans that look like leggings, you know? It was, like, that was, like, a real, like, wild, like, trend in skateboarding. and uh, Yeah, Ali Bulala or Bulala, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, those kids were all such sick skateboarders, but that was just, like, a, a wild-ass trend that, like, Okay, you think like, okay, one kid does it because, you know, like skateboarding is all about personality, right? Not all about, but you're going to sell it yourself. And then, but then it was like really caught on. So you'd like go to like, you know, wherever like the skate spots were and you'd see all these kids like dressed like that. And it was kind of like, oh, it's like, and as like a Hesh kid, I was like, oh man, but whatever, it's fine. You know, it's like kind of yeah. silly to me. In a That's good funny. way. I don't mean that in like kids a Kids are looking way. for like pants with zippers and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I say that not, not judgy, like, man, express yourself however you want to dress, how, you know, whatever you're into, like, go for it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you, you had vintage in this store back mm-hmm. in the day. I did because I just thrifted so much and I'd always just, I did. It's funny. Cause I now being in the vintage business, I, I don't, then I didn't think about it as like, Oh, I'm going to have this vintage rack. I would just go thrifting and we, and we had village thrift. 
I mean, you get t-shirts for like 49 cents, you know what I mean? And so I just would like find rad stuff and old sports stuff, old bears, old bulls stuff. I mean, old like socks, uh, you know, the Blackhawks, like I hate the Cubs because I'm from the North side. So I would never put Chicago Cubs stuff in my store ever. <laughs> Even like in mind's eye, like it has to be like a dope ass starter jacket for me to put on Cubs. So anything Cubs in my store. But anyway, but yeah, I would just, and then like old Adidas jackets and Nike windbreaker. Would you, you put panties like, in and things like that? No, I wasn't band tees then. It was like, even though like I was a punk kid, like I just, I was still like, you know, I was like really into the Beastie Boys and that kind of style, like earlier in my high, you know, high school days. So like that still influenced sort of like the stuff that I was picking. Yeah. Um. So I feel like it was more like, yeah, just like kind of like windbreakers and track jackets um, and like, yeah, sports stuff, stuff like that. That's rad. My dad. Yeah. You, you know, we got in this business because of my father, my brother, and myself, mm-hmm. and he used to sell to a lot of stores that would just have like a couple vintage racks, like yeah. bigger, bigger companies. And it, it always works well. And, you know, certain companies can pull it off. And it's rad that you, it's super rad that you did that. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't. It was just like kind of I just liked that stuff. And like my friends were into it. And so I was just always thrifting. And there was like a thrift store like close to my house I would go to like, you know, three, four times a week, just for fun. And then I just find good stuff and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll put it in, you know, it would sell. Okay, before we get off uh, Chicago, you mentioned to me before the show that you used to go in abandoned buildings. Now, I I know Detroit is the same, has like tons of abandoned buildings. I don't know Chicago that much. Like I never spent any time there. Yeah. But like t- t- talk to us about this and like, you know, because that's to me is the most interesting shit. Finding yeah. clothes in their natural habitat, going yes. into uh, houses, barnstorming. I've done it in yeah. old farms and stuff. Like, yeah. Well, again, so this was, again, like a thousand years ago, but this is before I moved to San Francisco in 95. So this is like, early 90s and I lived in uh, on the south side in this neighborhood called Pilsen which was is like one of the biggest Mexican communities outside of East LA um and there were just it was a neighborhood that edged a lot like very like warehouse district um and you know Chicago has all these like huge big brick warehouses, you know, cause it's a, you know, it's a working class town used to be full of factories. So just these big sort of factory buildings. Um, so we, we lived in that neighborhood and, you know, be like big warehouses and then like fields. And so we would just like, you know, from doing graffiti, you kind of like explore like weird places that nobody goes to. So you, you know, we'd go find places to paint and then be like, Oh, looking in the windows and we're like, damn, there's a lot of shit in here. And so we would like come back later and like, you know, it's always, like, real easy to break into those places. You kind of just, like, pry a door open or, like, climb up to a window and get it open. And, you know, like I said, from being, like, a writer, you kind of, like, get into places pretty easy that you're not supposed to. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so we – yeah, there was this one building that was really close to my house uh, that we would, like, go in, like, pretty often. And we kind of just would go in there and fuck around. But, man, when I think about it now, there were, like, old, like – coke machines in there and it was like full of full 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 of antiques and i just like wonder if it like somebody owned that building that was like an antique 
dealer or but there was like dust over everything i mean nobody oh, so you're talking like it wasn't just antiques that were part of the fixturing it was like no. it was stacked with antiques yeah it was just like so much weird stuff in there and it was so old and like there was like a really so that was like the first floor and then we would go up to the, like the second and third floors and they were like offices and they, they kind of had that, like, old school, like, you almost thought it was, like, a detective office where, like, you walk in and there's, like, the glass at the top that, like, opens, you know? And so there's, like, old office furniture in there and, like, papers. And, yeah, we would just, like, go in there and fuck around. But then, like, one time we were in there and, I don't know, we heard something from the very top. Like, some footsteps, like, bam, 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 bam. And we just were like, ah! Like, I don't know if somebody was up there fucking around or it was, like, some ghosts or I don't know, like, what the hell it was. But we, man, we ran out of there so fast. We were so scared. So that was, like, one of the last times we went in there because we were like, oh, somebody living in there and, like, you know. But, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I pulled stuff out of there and I have a couple of pieces that, like, I still have that I've, for all these years, I've, like, dragged along with me. But, you know. Yeah. Wild. We, we didn't have <laughs> any. We, of, we didn't have any of that. We used to like. We used to go into these abandoned houses when I was a kid and smoke weed. That's yeah, what we, used to do. <laughs> we were doing that in there too. You know. <laughs> I just think about like that one building in particular. Like, why was there so much old stuff in there? And they tore that building down. And I just like, I just wonder what happened to all that stuff. I wasn't around yeah, when they tore crazy. that down. Yeah. Okay, let's get into San Francisco. Okay. Yes. We'll keep on the skate topic because yeah. it's a good topic. Um, yeah, you mentioned is, this like, guy, yeah. James Kelch, and uh. I didn't remember his name from oh. my childhood, uh. but then I did Google and he's in like an old blind 93 video skating. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's like old. He's an infamous like old school like EMB head, as they call them. <laughs> yeah. And EMB, obviously, it's so famous in the skate scene. Yeah. And when I think about that era, like Big Pants, Small Wheels era. Oh, my God. Which is like, yeah, like 92 to 95 or something. EMB yeah. was like at the fucking center of that culture, kind of. All the good oh, videos yeah. were coming out of San Francisco. EMB oh, yeah. and then Pier 7, is it? That spot with the uh, manual pads uh, or Pier, Pier something? Pier 9. Oh, I got it. I, I, I forget. I'm going to get my skateboard uh, membership revoked. I did go revoked. there once, but it was EMB had already been like half kind of yeah. fucked up for skating because it was it was like two, year 2000 or something I went there. Yeah. Um, I think it's Pier yeah, 7, but Pier 7 I skated, yeah. but that, yeah, so, like, talk about that era a bit, because that's a crazy uh, era. Yeah, so I moved to SF in 95. Um, my friend who I grew up with, Johnny Fonseca, had moved out there a few months earlier, and he moved out there to skate for Deluxe, and it was uh, ADI, which is Ron Allen's company at the time, and then that went under, so then he started skating for real, but basically, like, so I moved out there, because I'd always wanted to, like... I'd always wanted to live in San Francisco. You know, California was like, you know, the California dream or whatever. So I moved out there and uh, lived in, we lived in this two bedroom Tenderloin apartment. There was one couple living in one room and then there was me and Johnny shared a futon. And then there was another dude living in that room. We just like total skater kids just piled in and we lived across the hall from Joe Brooke. Do you know that name? He's like a famous or whatever. He's a very well-known skate photographer and he lived with a bunch of like Christian skaters. So you could like see through the windows and they'd be having like Bible study and then like everybody would like go skate or whatever. It was pretty wild. Wow. But then I moved there because Johnny was leaving for tour. And so I was like, I'll just take over your room. Um, so yeah, the Tenderloin was wild then. There was like, 
hookers outside the window, like, like just so many hookers. And, you know, being from Chicago, like the crime in Chicago was more like gang stuff here. It was just like, it was just, San Francisco was just so wild back then. There was like this one, like goth hooker. And I mean, they were like seven feet tall, just like covered in like white makeup and like fishnet, like all over. And they would just be like walking the, walk in the block and we would sit on the fire escape and just like trip. I was like, wow, this, this town is wild. But, um, I was friends with this dude who was James Kelch's roommate. And of course, like I knew who James Kelch was cause like he was just so infamous at that time. And so I used to go over there and hang out and like, we would just like drink forties and like smoke weed. And like, man, he would like, <laughs> this is so fucked up. And like, I hope nobody gets mad at me for like, condoning this or thinking this is funny now because I don't think it'd be funny now or but back then it was a, just a wild time uh he'd like built 40 bottles with piss and like because the crackheads would be just outside like wiling out and so he would just be wasted he'd like 40 bottles full of piss and just like throw them at like the crackheads like outside just like shatters of glass piss everywhere I mean it was just like you know, we were, I was 20, you know, I was a kid. We were like kids, you know? I mean, straight up, like that movie Kids is so disturbing because it was so real. So it was just like, that was, that was, that was some like super fun times. But, um, yeah, yeah, I kind of, I hung out with a lot of skateboarders, like back in the day. I mean, it was just the hub of skateboarding. Like all the girl and chocolate dudes were living there, at least there a lot. It was kind of rough as like a young female. I was so used to like, being around dudes that were my friends and like gave me a lot of respect and wouldn't really like try to fuck with me that much. But just like being new and not knowing them and growing up with them. Like I just, it was pretty suspect the way that they treated females. Uh, and I just, it made me like super uncomfortable. Um, like I said, if you watch a movie kids, it's like pretty right on. So I, it just made me really uncomfortable. And I was like, man, I'm, you know, fuck these dudes or, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about anybody in particular that I've just mentioned. I'm just, just, just the saying, scene like, overall. Shot. Just yeah. the scene overall. I just was like, I just wasn't having it. So, um, and I was still like fully doing graffiti at that time. And I just started to meet more writers and they were like kind of more my people. And like, I didn't really skate anymore at that point. I mean, I always sucked. So like, I kind of, that's why I had like chosen to do graffiti instead. Um, and so, yeah. And was just, that, was that a much more respectful scene at the time or just um, fit in with your people I more? I found it was because... Your respect, because a lot of people didn't know that I was a female writing. They would just like, I would just bomb and paint so that I would meet a lot of people and they'd be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you were a girl, which is great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so that in that, like I was able to gain respect and like, I think with graffiti too, it's like the work you put in regardless of like who or what you are, if you put in the work, people respect you, you know? And like going to those party skate parties, it was like just this weird bubble, and you know, it was just like so clicky. I don't know. I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, fair enough. Um, a couple more graffiti questions. So, did yeah. you did you paint did you paint trains? Um, I have I painted. I did. Well, I did freight trains, but I never painted like a f- train. But I ran. I've run tunnels before. I ran tunnels in New York, actually, with Cycle. Um, so what does that yeah. mean? You ran tunnels, like you oh, get um, in so went, between trains and go paint. 
Yeah, like we'd go into the and in, in, did that in Chicago a lot. That was like my favorite thing to do. Um, I did in San Francisco too. But yeah, you just go down to the subway and you just like run run the tunnels from one station to another, um, and you paint yeah. in there. And it's pretty wild down there. I mean, there's like weird rooms, and then you know trains come. You have like in Chicago, it was like the blue light that was where the rooms were. So like you kind of had to time it. Like if there was a train coming, you had to make sure you to get to like the blue light room to like. So you'd be in a room when the train would pass by. And then there'd be like spirals. And then like if you were. That's you know, so gnarly. Out. Oh, dude, it was, dude, that was my favorite shit. Like my favorite. One of my favorite times doing that was with um, one of my best friends who lives in New York. And he still like paints and still skates. He's older than me. He's like my mentor. One of my best friends. He's like got me into hardcore music, got me into graffiti. But we, me and him, we went. uh this is in Chicago. We met at like 4.30 a.m. at like a McDonald's and like drank some coffee and ate some like McMuffins and then went down into the, you know, we, we got down in the train station and then just kind of like, you're like, boop, and then you just like walk right into the tunnels. Obviously, like way pre 9-11. So there was like not the kind of security. And I don't know, we just were fucking around there for like hours. Like you don't even know how long you're down there. You're just like in this time warp. And we came out like. I don't know, probably like five or six stations down, which is like, I don't know. We we ended up like downtown. I mean, it was probably like a good five, six miles or something. And we came out and it was like noon. We were like, holy shit, like it's noon. And we come out and you're just like covered in dirt. And we ran into one of our crew members who was like on his way to like class or whatever. And like, we come like walking out of the tunnel just like, and it's like full of people because it's like noon on like a Sunday or like a Monday at that point or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, where, 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 what have you guys been doing? We're like, man, we just been in the tunnels for like five or six hours. Like it's noon already. Holy shit. And you're like, just covered, you know, that uh, is amazing. I love that stuff. That was my favorite. That was my favorite stuff to do. And I got to do that in New York, uh, with cycle and, um, yeah, like we, yeah, I, yeah, we got, he got, uh, one of his friends took us into like these really like secret rooms and it was really, that was like, that's some of my favorite shit. Secret rooms in the subway. Yeah. Yeah. New York has like these, so there, there are, so New York subway tunnels have tunnels that they have built and they decided they don't want to like, they didn't want to build anymore. So they just end. They're like these dead end tunnels. That then there's like rooms off of that like oh they're like change of plan stop yeah. construction yeah on. totally so it's like you'll go you'll just in this like dead end tunnel and then there's like a room that has like some st- I don't know it's like weird and then there's, and then like, there's also like levels there's like old subways and new yeah. subways right and then people live in a lot of them right yes yeah I mean the, one of the on our way into I don't remember what line we were in or whatever to that old one but there were definitely like people down there there's like a dude listening to a radio down there this is in New York no in Chicago nobody lived down there that, it was it was just like you and the rats and that was it ooh the rats oh yeah they're huge man they're like cats <laughs> uh, I remember the last time we were in New York man the rats are the rats are wild in the streets dude they are like, all the time have, yeah they have like no fear um, well, that's fucking awesome. I love that story. Yeah, dude, that was the... That when was the last time you went out and wrote graffiti? Oh, man. I mean, last time I did anything, like, serious, it's been a long time. I mean, if you if there's somebody with, like, a can or, like, a, a marker or something, I get real greedy. I'm like, oh, give me that thing. So, I mean, 
I've done some tags on some freights around where I live, like within the last like couple months, you know, I always yeah. like, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, oh, I don't do that anymore. And then like, if somebody has like paint or like a marker, I just, I'm just like, ah, I'm like a fiend, you know? And <laughs> like, did, did you go on and continue into art in general or? No, you know what? I wasn't a very good artist for me. It was just like, I just like to, to bomb. Like I like to like just do fill-ins and tags and throw-ups. I mean, I started piecing when I was in San Francisco because it was just such like an art more, it's so much more like arty there. And then you could go to, there was so many train tracks and uh, Caltrans tracks that you could go to during the day and spend hours at painting. So I was sort of able to like, it's kind of what my friends were doing. So I was like, all right, I have to like kind of get better. And like, you know, if I want to go paint, I have to like, figure out and learn how to piece. You know, I was, I, I got better with the piecing, but for me, to be honest, it was just like about like just destruction, you know, it's just like like the adventure you're in. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. The crazy places we went to and like the weird buildings you're in and just, yeah. Just being out with your friends, just causing trouble, you know? Um, Okay, so this podcast is called Vintage and Stuff. We've been on to oh, the yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, we haven't we've, talked we've about on, any vintage. We, we've been on to the stuff, which I love because, fuck, I talk about vintage all day usually. So this is so refreshing, actually. And um, great topics. Fucking great oh, topics. Good. Good um, but let's talk about now when you got into vintage as a full-time mm-hmm. gig and how that transition went. Yeah, so I – after um, – so I moved back from Italy and like, so I sold, so I, uh, I left the shop and I got, I have notes here cause my brain, uh, in 2004, I left Uprise and I was in Italy for a couple of years in Italy, Rome. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Like, yeah. so you sold out to your partner so or you, manager or something? Yeah. Yeah. To Uriah who, who still owns it now. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I basically, I mean, I could have, you know. I just kept it in the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just kind of burnt out and I was ready for like some other stuff. Um, and bef- before we get off the skate shop topic, yeah, fuck, yeah. I could talk about skating all day, but um, yeah, like what are a couple hurdles in owning something like that in that business model? Like, you know, I like to, I like the ups and I like the downs on this show. Yeah. So like, was there any really rough times owning the skate shop? Like, was it really hard at times or? Yeah, we had a couple, there was like a couple of rough times. So there was like, there was one incident um, where we, when you were talking about like those shops, like Zoomies or whatever. So in the back of our first location, we had this mural, um, this uprise mural and it had like, it was a very distinct, had like, well, the R was always backwards, but there were like these arrows and anyway, so we found out that there was this mall shop in Texas called Uprise. And we did a little research and their logo was like, looked just like um, our mural on the back wall. And it turned out that like a couple months previous, these like suits had come into the store and been like, oh, a skate shop, huh? Like, this is cool. Like had kind of been nosing around. And then it turns out that then they went back through the little board meeting and like somebody had a really great idea to start a skate shop called Uprise. So Yeah, dude, it was whack. nothing, you know, yeah, so whack, but what big lesson in that, we hadn't trademarked our name. We hadn't yeah. done like any of that. I don't know, we we're just like, so we're kind of just kids and we're like, yeah, let's do a skate shop. Big lessons in business there. 
really got us in trouble. And so they, I'm well, it's like, probably good for people listening to this to hear that because trademark your name guaranteed. I'd be surprised if anybody listening to this has trademarked their name. Yeah, no, I'm telling you. I mean, the amount of like legal they they try to just drown us in like legal costs. I mean, I remember one time they the guy one of the guys called me and offered me like ten grand. And I was like, dude, you gotta be fucking kidding me. To like, buy out your name? Yes. And I was like, dude, we make that in like February and like the winter and like fuck off. Like no way. And then um but yeah, they just tried to like kind of wait us out and you know, we had some friends with some like deep pockets that like really helped us with like legal fees. And basically, we just like kept going back and forth with them and just like we wouldn't take offers. And then um, they ended up going out of business. No way. Yeah, they fucking went out because well, that's like karma, the- baby. Well, because it was during that time they did it when skateboarding got really, really big and like we're riding the wave and then skateboarding dipped super hard. And they were like, you know, it's like they're just some corporation. Like, they don't care about skateboarding. Yeah, so. those guys are like, check out these guys on their little uh, skatey boards. I see those yeah. around. Let's jump in the business. Yeah, like the minute they're like bottom, you know, they're not making like money. They're just like, they're out, you know. So it was like. Do you, do you remember the dates of the wave in skateboarding? Oh, so let me think. So 90. I want to say it was like. Or like just even rough. Like I, I, feel I know. Like I'm trying to think. When the first Dunks, the Nike Dunks came out, because I remember that we were like really, bus- you know, the wave had kind of broke and business has, was like, it was, we always had our core skaters and like, we were always like fine, but it was a little rough. And then I remember when the Nike Dunks came out, it was like a godsend because that, that paid our bills. Like, oh, we so like, you had the Nike account? Oh yeah. We had the first Nike account in Chicago. Do you, did, you, did you guys keep any of the dunks from that era? Well, you know what's really funny about that is I did. I was like, I had three I had three pairs and I just sold them. I just shipped them off today to John at uh, Grand Street Local. No shit. Yeah, you know why this is funny is because I've been meaning to sell them. But, you know, like it's not really my scene and I've just been like lugging them around. And they're smaller size, so they're like. Not as probably worth anything, but um, I listened to your podcast with him and I was like, oh, dang, that dude's cool. Like he's a skater and like he's into this stuff and I like his style. You know, like I was like, oh, okay, like he'll totally, he has a clientele and he appreciates it. And so they'll go to, he'll make sure they go to a good home. So yeah, I just, so I I, like hit him up and was like, hey dude, like I heard your podcast. And I met him and his brother, like I met his brother years ago at this place called Bandit Town uh, when they were doing like vintage or, uh, sorry, or no, uh, their brand or whatever. Trigger, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, That's I, cool. I, listened to that I love that. There's like those connections that happen yeah. from the show. Yeah. It was awesome, dude. And yeah, he was, yeah, he was like super rad, easy to work with. Yeah, and I, I, uh, yeah, he gave me like a super fair price and I was like, yeah, dude, deal. Bam, gone. Get him out of here. And I, yeah, just shipped him off to him today. That's rad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess like if you had those, if you had that Nike account, it was good, but not everybody got those accounts. Right. And, or no, it- we were, no, we were like, we, we held on to that fiercely. Cause I mean, we were, you know, it's like some, some tough times and, you know, we would get like, I don't even remember how many, you know, what the size run was, but they would be gone. We get them and then like, bam, gone in like one day. And then you'd you know, be waiting came- for the next drop to come through. Yeah. It was like crazy. It was like, holy shit. Like, you know, it's, it, it was even better. It was way better than the D3s. Like, you know, D3s you'd take like, you know, a few weeks to like pay rent but it was like this it was like boom 
four hours and you're like, oh, shit, rent's paid. You Lined know? up out the door when you get there in the morning. To I mean, up. I got to say, like, you know, for all of Nike's faults, like, I know, like, they've, they, they, and I'm not like praising this stupid corporation, but, you know, the Nike depart- skateboarding department definitely, like, helped a lot of skate shops, like, stay in business, you know? It's like, they can provide that, like, want and then the, the skate shop gets the money, you know? Great. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. we were the first account in Chicago to get those. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so back on to vintage yes. and your yes. move into selling. So I guess you oh, said yeah. you moved you moved to Rome. Yeah, I lived in Italy for a couple of years and just kind of like hung out and like hung out with my family and um, bummed around for like a year and a half, two years. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I moved back to the Bay Area in 2006. Did you do graffiti in Rome? I did. Nice. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I did. It was fun. I mean, that, that city is so covered. It's like, did you find a one, good? Did you find a crew there? No, I um, I was hanging out with this dude who wrote Joe, and like, uh, he was sick. He kind of his style was kind of like Reese, like New York City old school Reese. He just had this like real weird funky style, and um, yeah, we were just like bomb. And we, I did some pieces out there, and uh, yeah, it was it was. The tra- I mean, the, the trains in Rome are painted like old school New York. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to, this sounds weird to say, but that's one of the reasons why I moved there. I was like, I want to live in a place. I mean, I'm Italian and my, my father's side of the family is from uh, all from up north Italy. I have dual citizenship, but um, I was like, I want, and I had friends in Rome too, but I was like, I want to live here. Like, I want to live in a city where the trains are painted, you know? I never painted the trains out there, but I did a little bit. Yeah, New York. Probably Chicago. They clean that shit up pretty quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you paint it and it's like, it might make one trip to the end of the line, you know, if they don't notice it. Then, but, but, you know, but if you get that, that's fucking, that's killer. If they, if they don't notice it on its way out, you know, man, you're golden. Get some flicks. You're good. (laughs) Somebody sees it. So was it easy for you to get into full-time selling after kind of dabbling in your skate shop days? Yeah, I kind of just did. I feel like the trajectory that a lot of us might do, like uh, I moved back and I was like working at this tattoo shop and just, you know, and I I was just thrifting a lot and finding a lot of really great stuff. And so then, you know, I was selling to like Wasteland and to like all the stores and, you know, I'd make like in one pop, like 300 bucks, but that's like 30%. So I'm like 30%. Like I could make like $900 if I'm selling this at like full price or whatever that math is. And, um, so then I started selling at the Alameda flea market, um, which I I did that for like a few years. Um, and then, yeah, I was doing like pop-ups. I would like just, you know, make my own, you know, at like bars or whatever. And then I started working for this vintage co-op called down at Lulu's um, and the owner there, Tina Lucchese, and then Seth Bogart. But Tina, um, she's like an old school East Bay garage rocker, punker, who's also been one of like my mentors also. She's like a dear friend of mine, but she's taught me like just a lot in general. Um, but there was a hair salon, vintage store. So you worked like one day a week for free and then they would take out expenses and then you would just sell your stuff in there. Cool. Um, and then, so I did that for a couple of years and... And then uh, my shop was in this place called the Temescal Alley. It's just kind of this, like, there were all these old uh, storage spaces. And back in the day, they were, like, horse stables. So they're just, it's cool. It's, like, all these little shops that got built out. And a space came up. This was 2012. 
a space came up and I was just like, I'll, you know, I just hit up the landlord and I was like, can I, you know, what's up with that space? Can I get it? And so we ended up getting, and I opened that shop with a really good friend of mine who was also working at the vintage co-op and me and her would go on buying trips together. We would like go down to Arizona and we'd like road trip around and, and buy. And then I was like, just was like, Hey, you want to open this shop with me? She said, sure. I said, all right. <laughs> so we opened it in 2012 and she left in 2018. I think it was. I've, so I've had the shop by myself for the last few years, but yeah. So what, what was going on in these buying trips? You just going thrifts to shore, th- thrift store to thrift store, town to town. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. It's just like how you kind of start out like you don't really like know anybody or like you just kind of like, yeah, you, you go thrift and then like, yeah, we'd go to, like these, uh, dusty, like flea markets and like Arizona, like all these just like old timers. And like, you know, you just kind of like do that. And then, and then you at the flea markets, you kind of start like meeting people. And for me, it's like all about relationships, you know, like, people are always like, Oh, like, how do you get your stuff? And it's like, yeah, I could say like, Oh, I just go to the flea market. But it's like, well, I also like have been trying to get this one shirt off this guy for like three years, you know, (laughs) it's like in his van and he just like always brings it to the market and like, we'll bring it all the way out. But you're like, what is that thing? You know? So it's like, you know, it's just like (laughs) building all these relationships with people. Um, But yeah, yeah, we would just like thrift and like, yeah, we go like Tucson and like party and thrift and then just Nice. Like, do that. Go hang out with all the retirees. Yeah. Snowbirds. Yeah. Yeah. So, back in the day, even back in 2012, the business was completely different, completely different world of vintage. Like, wow, has it changed and it's changing faster all the time. Um, Did you ever, like, what was it like back in those days? You know, partly being female, but partly just Mm -hmm. picking and buying and selling in such a competitive, cutthroat dog eat dog business because it was every man and woman for themselves yeah definitely i mean so much of this business is like secretive like how people get stuff and like um and it's very yeah it's so very it's so competitive and you know i don't know like i'm not a very competitive person like if there's like a bunch of people on like a pile of stuff, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to like go over here where there's only like three people, you know, like I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's enough for everybody. I don't Take the like, path less traveled. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just, you know, it's, it's, it's all about timing, you know, like I've been at, I've been at Alameda where like, I see like a buyer that I know is like, like bargaining. He's got like all this like good stuff. I'm like, damn, that, oh, man, I should have got here like five minutes earlier. And then I walked down the aisle and this dude's like unloading some bins. And there was like, it was a whole bin of like USA vans. And I was like, oh yes. And it was so funny. Cause he like that guy, I won't say who it is, but he came like walking past and I could tell he was like, shit. And I was like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But he was like busy dealing, like getting some good stuff from some other guy. And I just happened to be walking by while, while this one guy, while the dealer was like pulling out a a bin and I was like what's in there you know so it's it's all about timing but so yeah it's cutthroat but I don't really like to be honest like maybe to a fault like I don't really like worry that much about what other people do I kind of just in my bubble of I just no I think that's not to a fault at all I think comparing yourself to other people is a bad thing to be up to and never there's no there's there is no good that comes out of it I don't believe no and I feel like this like the skate shop really you know just skateboarding and graffiti, graffiti, but even skateboarding taught me that. Just like, just stay true to yourself and like, just, you know, just be good to the people around you and like give back to what gives back, you know, what gives to you and just, 
you know, be an honest, like good person, as corny as that sounds. And, you know, you'll get, you'll get the good stuff coming to you. Yeah. You, uh, this, this business cannot really be monopolized. Like there's, there's too much stuff out there. There's too much much stuff stuff. everywhere. It's like, if you work hard, you'll get a piece of the pie. Where, yeah. what, what area? So you said it's Oakland, your store was in? Yeah, yeah, it's in Oakland. So my one experience in Oakland was, uh, I, had a, I had a friend from high school that moved there. I went to high school in the States, so I had a lot of American friends that kind of mm-hmm. lived all over the place. And I guess in like 2001 or something, I went to Oakland. And I remember going to the park. Well, I guess this is Berkeley, actually. I went to, okay. well, he, he lived in Oakland, so we hung out in Oakland. Then I went to yeah. Berkeley and I, I don't know where it was, but there's this park and we're like cruising around and there's just like naked people all in the park, like having a great time. <laughs> it was like People's Park by the Pro- college. Was it by like college? It might have been. Yeah. I could just remember that. I'm like, this, this place is all right. This place yeah. is cool. No, I mean, I, I'm leaving the Bay at the end of the, March, but I do love it here. Um, you know, it's, it was way more full of freaks. You know, I missed that part of it, but um yeah, I mean, it's a really yeah. special place. I also, me and Jesse flew there one time for a Deadstock dig and we bought out a sports store. Oh, that shit. was, if I remember correctly, I feel like it was out by the airport somewhere. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, oh, man. And yeah, we bought like we bought a lot because this is when we were buying snapbacks. Oh, yeah. Years ago. Oh, yeah, I bet. We bought like two or three whole pallets of snapbacks and a bunch of sports clothing. And um, yeah, I mean, Oakland's that got that like, industrial vibe too you know so it's like there's a lot of stuff i mean i know you said it was like a store but like you know people have bigger spaces out here you know to like put all their back stock in you know yeah um so another question i have about being in the vintage game as a woman Mm -hmm. um you know from my experience i've been doing this a long time i've been doing Mm -hmm. true vintage i do Hype vintage. I do sell yeah. T-shirts. I sell yeah, yeah. old denim. I sell ladies' clothing in my stores. I sell dresses. Yeah. I sell the gamut. Like yeah. you know, if it's out there, I have an avenue for it, some way or another. Um, yeah. But in my experience, you know, when it comes to valuing clothing, the highest value of stuff for true vintage is always men's clothing. You could have a 1940s female jean, a 1940s male jean, same year, same version ish. But like the men's gene is going for crazy money and the female gene is hard to sell. Yeah. I guess what's your thoughts on that? I know it's weird, right? Because it's like some like amazing early 40s or 30s dress that's like the pattern's amazing. The fabric's amazing. It's like an amazing condition. And then, you know, then you have just like a beat up ass work shirt that goes for like six times as much, you know? Totally. I don't, you know. God, I don't know what that, I don't, I don't know what that is. I mean, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's just like, because it was, maybe it's like male, that sort of stuff was just so male dominated. So maybe like the men were like setting the prices. I don't know. Does that sound like shitty? But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's, there's different arguments for it where like, you know, the men, yeah, but then when you look at like new clothing, women make up probably seventy percent of the the mm-hmm. revenue for clothing, right? Yeah. As opposed to men, because men typically tend to like you buy you bought your jeans, you bought your t shirts, you're kind of good, right? right? Um, but then for vintage, it's like the vintage stuff gets priced up crazy, where the women's stuff doesn't. And sure, there is lots of women's like there's certain couture dresses, and there's certain yeah. 
certain things that will go for big money. But I guess one side of it is that it's the utilitarian clothing. It's the work clothing. It's things like denim, uh, hunting, um, all these like Americana iconic things that tend to go for crazy money. Yeah, but then again, like, like the female equivalent doesn't go for that much. And it, it always kind of boggled my mind because I'm like, yeah, this is a great I mean, female thing, garment or something. I mean, maybe because like, I mean, things are very different now, but, you know, it's easier. It was, I'll say it was easier for like women to wear men's clothes also. True. Um, I mean, I think that's different now. You know, there's a lot of like gender fluid uh, in vintage, which I love, you know, like. Yeah, so, it could, it could I, be that dudes are just stupid and we pay dumb prices for things. Women are like, why would I pay 20 <laughs> grand for a pair of pants? <laughs> that is very, that's possible because I mean, I feel like that. I'm like, I mean, that's cool. Like, I love that, but like, I'm definitely not spending 20, no matter if it's worth it, like, I'm not spending 20 grand on a pair of pants. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, yeah, it's like that, like, super. And I say nerd in a very lovingly way, like that nerd collector mentality is like a little more intense and competitive with the dudes. I mean, women are very competitive, so I I don't know. I mean. And, you know, back to your store for a minute here. We talked about the hard times with having a shop as a skate skate shop owner, but what about a vintage owner? Um, Yeah, I mean, I felt like, I mean, I got, again, things are always about timing, um, I got, we got into that shop in 2012 and the neighborhood was starting to change. It was like, it used to be like a really rough neighborhood and there were just a lot of like really cool people and cute people with good fashion living in that neighborhood. And like, there was like bars and restaurants opening up. So it became like a little bit more of like a destination. Um, I mean, it was still pretty rough, but it was, like, getting better where you could, like, go out and, like... I mean, you wouldn't want to be on your phone on your way out to the car, but, you know, you could, like... I mean, you know, it's Oakland, so you got to be careful all the time. Um, But it was just, like, a cool time in Oakland, and, there, you know, the workwear thing was, like, starting to pop off, and I felt like there were, like, cool people that were making good Bay Area money, and so they were spending it, um, and it was good. So I, I felt like... I could spend more on what I was picking. So the quality of what I was getting was better. So I would have like a better price point. Um, So that was like, that was, you know, great. But I was always a little bit worried that that neighborhood would get like too nice for uh, a vintage store. Like it just get a little like too yuppie and bougie, you know, like where you just end up people come in and just kind of like make fun of stuff. Did your rent go up over those years? Yeah, it did. It did. But like we, I was on like a decent schedule. I mean, the rent was expensive, but because it was like such a small space, it was like manageable. And, yeah. and all the other shops in the alley were great. And there were like good friends of mine. And it's like, there was a barber shop across the way. So there was just always, there's just a built in customer base. So even if it was like a little more expensive, like you never felt like you were on an island. Like sometimes like in retail, you just feel like you're like on an island and you're like, where's everybody, you know, but there was just always people and there's a, you know, coffee shop and the barbershop. Yeah, see, that's key. Store. I think I think a lot of people are, has, you know, they'll be like, they'll want to go to like this remote location because they're like, well, the rent's so cheap. And you're like, well, yeah, but if there's nobody walking by, what the fuck good does it do you anyway? Yeah, what does it do? I mean, that was kind of how down at Lulu's was. Is now it's busier over there. And that's that was in Oakland. Um, it was just in this like weird, it was just in this weird stretch of telegraph. Um, and luckily people had come cause 
people were getting their hair done, but like there wasn't a lot of walk by traffic and yeah, there would be days it'd be like two hours. Like not one pe- person would walk in. At, you yeah. Know, I have so day. much ADD that I'd be like, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah. I was right. You know, I always had projects. I'd, yeah. you know, I'd, be, I'd be working on stuff, but um, so as far as like the way you run your business, um, would the store float itself with just like running it like a retail store or were you busy doing side hustles where like a Japanese client would come and like buy out the back room or like, you know, you got a movie that came through and they're like, we need to wardrobe for this or that or. Um, I, I mean, it's the bay. Yeah. I mean the, I didn't do a t- I mean, I had my Japanese customers and I had like people would come and like, pull stuff for film a little bit here and there, but that was like a very small fraction. Um, I was able to sustain, the shop was able to, we were there almost nine years and it was able to sustain itself for nine years. Just on, That's on, awesome. uh, on, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a really large denim section and that was like, you know, Levi's just like, and I, and I, I got really good at being able to fit people. You know, people would be like, oh, I, I can't fit in any of these. And I'd be like, Oh, you have 20 minutes and like grab six pairs, fit them. And then they were like customers for life. You know what I mean? I enjoy that. Like, I love that, you know? Um, And that's something that I feel like females in the vintage space can do really well. And another thing about females in the vintage space is like a female can pick men's and women's. A man can rarely, okay, I'm going to get like shat on probably by dudes, but like a man can rarely pick, can pick good (laughs) women's and men's. Like, you know, I, even myself, like, I'm not that great. Like, we always employ female pickers for our company to fill the store with good female product because they know what's up. They understand it. They understand the cuts. They understand the curves. Like, we just look at it like it's a floral dress. Grab it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I definitely have, like, friends, male friends who are dealers that have been like, can you help me? Like, what, this is a bag of stuff is anything good in here you know um yeah i just you know you just intuitively know like what is going to look good on like a female on a woman's body you know and when it comes to men's that stuff's so easy you're like yeah it's a cool work jacket it's a pair of jeans it's a cool t-shirt yeah you know like it's a lot easier to learn there's less categories totally and it's it's trainable more so than women's if you want to train somebody on picking great women's it probably takes years really seeing it it. does it's just it's like it's just like fabric texture like the labels like just knowing if the if the fabric it's just there's so much that goes into it and i've i've had some girls that have worked for me that i've like you know taught and it's just like it's so much is just like i feel like just just like the years and years of like touching old stuff you just like intuitively sort of know like what's good you know Um, there's just, yeah, there's so much that goes into one dress. Like, is that neckline too high? Nope. Not going to buy it. You know? Cause I know like some girls will be like, Oh, this thing's like, Oh, fucking feels weird on my neck, you know? And so I'm not going to buy that, you know? And like, I feel like dudes, it's going to be hard for them. I mean, then. And I give it up. I give it up to those shops that, you know, kind of like Wasteland or, um, there's a bunch in LA, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the names right now, but there's Wasteland in LA too, I think. Yeah. But where they train these people over the counter to really understand it and be able to like continually buy all day from the public. And then, you know, cause it is a huge trust thing. You're giving, you're letting these people buy for your shop. And I guess they probably, 
Oh, cut out a lot of cut, <laughs> I could, I could, yeah I could either oh, wait. they cut out a lot of categories so they make it easier for these people but still it's like they're still tr- putting so much trust into these people they do but they I, I, they're just moving at such like huge volumes I guess and maybe like they're hiring people with like prior knowledge but I don't know like that's the one thing I could never lay by buy for my shop I mean it just all it takes seriously is like the wrong buttons and I'm like this isn't good. I just know it's not going to sell or people are like I like this but I don't like the buttons like I can just hear it in my head like what somebody's not because it's going to like about it you know <laughs> yeah sometimes less is more right you got to yeah. be you got to curate yeah. what you need for us we we have pickers we let we let like our better pickers do the last sort on certain things but most yeah. of the stuff we most of the stuff goes through myself or my brother before it gets like divvied out into the web of our company. Like the floors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I don't know if it's this, well, that's also your company. So like what gets put on the floor is representative of you. And like, you just want to make sure it's like up to your standards, you know, I don't know if that's like a control freak thing or just, you know, I don't know, just, you know, I want, I want the best stuff to go on the floor, you know? Yeah. And for me, we have so many avenues. Like I have yes. my rag machine store, which is like bottom of the barrel, super cheap though. It's like kind of a place where people come to like get the thrill of the hunt still. Yeah, yeah. And then I have like my, my stores, which is like higher end thrift and vintage. And then I have yeah. online and then I have like Frankie collective rework. So it's like, there's, there is an avenue for everything. It just depends. I, I can like go through a huge mountain of stuff and be like divvy it into the pile. Super easy. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, I commend you. That's yeah. You guys have all the you have all that stuff on lock. I just got my little store. <laughs> yeah, but that's rad, and it works yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whatever works for people, you know. Totally. Um, so through all your picking, we haven't even, like. Obviously, you said you had some Japanese clients. Yeah. So, do you get into like high end true vintage? Of course, you find it here and there, and or was it never? Yeah, kind of I mean, something I you had like. Around? Yeah, that stuff is like what I like the most. Like, I love you know like. 20s through like 40s and then I'm really into like the mid to late 60s right now I feel like like 65 to 68 is like an era I'm really like into right now I mean just being like also a mod old mod kid like I just love like that old that era of 60s stuff that like youth culture um you know the 30s stuff I love um things start to get a little bit more like casual and the uh like with the cottons and the like beach pajamas and then the forties, I just love, I mean, the prints in the forties are just so beautiful. Um, I like the fifties stuff. It's a little too formal for me, you know, um, just like personal aesthetic. Um, but yeah, I, I love the old stuff the most, but I'm also like a city kid. So like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll wear like a Nike you know, like a Nike t-shirt with like, uh, you know, like a 50 circle skirt, you know, like I would wear that, like not every day, but like, that's something like I would pair together. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. into mixing eras, uh, but my true love is like the really old stuff, you know, like for sure. That's what it's all about. Mixing eras and being yeah. able to put yeah. together There's a nothing cool, wrong with that at all. cool outfit for sure. And you know, you know, I think it's the best actually. I think it's good when someone can do it and make it look amazing because that's what true yeah. style is, you know? Yeah. To me. 100%. Um, being from San Fran, well, the Bay, which is not San Fran, but Oakland, but you're yeah. close enough. Um, yeah. The huge hippie influence there from mm-hmm. like the 60s, of course. Yeah. And 
companies like East West Musical Instruments were from there, correct? Yes. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever? Did you ever find many of those jackets? I don't find any of that stuff. I leave that stuff up to like Goodbye Heart and Snappy Gab. So those guys got a lock on that stuff. <laughs> you know. That. Yeah, Goodbye I mean, Heart seems to have a unicorn dude, for those. I mean, bless him, man. I don't know. He just it's like the money tree. It's like you know. But um, yeah. I mean. I like the old, like, you know, I, I find more like the 70s, like, denim stuff, like, that that stuff I'll find. I'll find more of. I've been actually, like, working, um, I started working for this estate sale company, uh, and one, and the first, well, it's a company, it's, like, one guy, um, and I kind of lucked into this job, and the first job that I worked for him was this house in San Francisco, and the lady was just, like, a straight hoarder, like, every, she's, she had kids, and she saved everything so like you would pull out a box you'd open it and be full of kids clothes and the top of it would be like 70s like late 60s early 60s late 50s it was like it was like and you get to the bottom it was like like late 40s stuff so it was like she'd have the kid they'd wear the clothes she'd put it in a box and she would just like pile the stuff so you would as you got further down in the box it'd be like the earlier and it was just like wild but she kept all of her kids like the when they were like teenagers and so there was like i got some amazing like late six mid late 60s early 70s stuff out of there and they had money so the fabrics are really nice it was like cottons instead of like poly um so that was like that i got this really cool all over print um it had like peace signs all over it and it was like late sixties, like button up the back, little Peter Pan collar. I mean, it was like so fucking cool. It was like pristine. It was like never nice. been worn. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was just, so that. What's your thoughts you know, on, on the, on mm-hmm. synthetics in that era of seventies into the eighties, like I mean, Polly's. It's, I mean, it's, it's so disappointing because like you find these just amazing prints and I, I mean, it, you know, it was innovative. So to do these like photo prints was like amazing. But then you're like, ugh, like nobody wants to wear that shit. But you know, there was like a little bit of time. I can't remember what year it was in the shop. Maybe it was like, was it like 2015 where like 70, like Mew Mew did this line that had like very seventies, like collar, like slinky collar 70s shirts. And so for like a season, like girls were kind of like buying those like disco shirts, you know, like wearing them in like a more high fashion way, which is like really weird. But I was kind of happy because I was like, well, there's some cool prints. I mean, I don't know how long they're going to like want to wear that polyester shirt for, but um, yeah, I mean, I kind of stay, I stay away from the double knits and like, I just, I mean, vintage has to be wearable and like feel good. And like, I don't know, like that stuff just, it just doesn't feel good. And like you pick it up off a rack and you're like, Ugh, you know, even though no matter how cool it is, like it looks or the fits good, you're still not going to really want to wear it, you know? Yeah, it's so true. Sometimes you find these things are so wild and crazy. I know. And you're like, you're so psyched. And then you're like, it's never going to sell. It's too Well, weird. that was what was cool about that, that San Francisco estate sale was that they had money. So instead of just buying like the cheaper poly stuff, there was like these crazy prints, but they were like cotton, you know, there was like, yeah. it was like that same era instead of like the cheaper stuff, which was made into poly that you find that you're like, Oh, this print's so cool. But no, there was like, all the stuff was like cotton and like poly cotton wearable. So it was like these like very bright, vivid colors, like polka dots and flowers and 
waves and but it was like a cotton like mod dress you know and you're like holy shit like somebody could actually wear this thing you know so that was that was a that pick was so good i i feel like i'm still like finding so, stuff i'm like oh yeah i got this did at that, that so you mentioned to me that you now are working mm-hmm. for someone who does estate sales is a state sale business Yes, like he gets the contracts, um, and I I work for him. Um, so we go in. Um, so I help him. Um, there's I actually work with this other girl. She's like in early thirties, and she's like kind of in the vintage biz too, which is pretty cool. Uh, but we go in there. Um, we get the contract. We go in there and kind of like dig out all the stuff that is worth money. Um, and you know, it's like the families. You know, they get these houses. They relatives pass away and it's just like full of stuff like they're just people are so overwhelmed you know there's like so much stuff you know and I go into a house and I'm like oh stuff you know, like oh I love like the more the better you know like I see like a hoarder room and I'm like ah. like hey, oh, what's that box like in the back corner you know like I'll dig through like rat shit raccoon shit like I don't care I put on hell like, yeah I'm down get me dude, in I'm there so down. that's where the good <laughs> stuff is you know like up in the attic like the dude I work for he doesn't want to go up in the attics or in the garages and I'm like dude like hoist me up in there. Like I'll just that the back corners where I find all the good stuff. So give, give bring us into the world of estate sailing. How, oh, how does it, one. how does it weird. work? And how these, co- these people get the contracts. So somebody, you know, they have a house, like we want it gone. You call an estate sale company. Yeah. The estate sale company, what takes like 20%. It, it really depends on everybody does it differently. Some people, um, flat fee or something. People do percentages, like the house gets a certain percentage, like 60, 40 or something. Or there's some estate sale companies that guarantee like five grand and then whatever else after that, like you break down a percentage. So it just kind of depends on how there's like many different ways that companies do it. It's a little bit of a mystery, but there's definitely like people structure their. And obviously like estate selling is totally a valid way to go find vintage clothes. I've talked about on the show before, obviously lots of people do it. You know, you never know what you're going to get. You're literally going into someone's house and you're buying that person's old clothes that's still sitting in their closet, essentially. Yes. Um, And I have a story about the, I've never go estate sailing. It's not my thing. I've been to like two or three. Yeah, Maybe. you know what's funny, real quick, and interrupt you, sorry, is like, yeah, yeah. I actually hate going to estate sales. I only go on the last day and get, like, find something for half price. So generally, I hate going to estate sales, but I love working the estate sale. So I feel, I'm, I'm at you with that, but go ahead. Okay. So you got to go in before because you worked with this guy yeah, and get it yeah. all before. So that's the yeah. best. <laughs> Fuck. No competition. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I, yeah. So yeah, I've been to a couple like randomly driving and I'll see a state sale sign and I'll pull in, usually find yeah. nothing. But this one time I got a call and it was from like social workers. It wasn't actually a state sale, but it was like mm. this lady had to get moved to a home. She was oh, in her 90s. She oh, yeah. was deemed like not able to like live on her own anymore. And she lived yeah. in Vancouver. We have this area called the the, um, the West End or out by UBC uh-huh. that's like on this headland. It's like the richest yeah. part of town. You know, 150-year-old, the oldest house is in town. These properties are like $15 million properties. She had no family. Like, she never married. Her her siblings had died off. She got left the house by her parents who owned it. She grew up in the house. So I'm talking. and, And then she was so old and, like, you know, it was sad because she was 
so old and had to get moved to a home, but she couldn't maintain the house. So, like, the house was terrible. Like, there was yeah. leak, leaks in the roof, moldy stuff everywhere. Like, yeah. hazmat people had to come in to, like, oh, yeah. get shit out of there. I'm sure you've seen stuff like that. Like, it's yeah, it's crazy. Gnarly. They just, like – and she was a major hoarder. So, I went in. They called me. And they're like, we know you're a vintage guy in town. Yeah. Can you come and can you – buy all this stuff and i'm like yeah obviously like I'm, i live for this I'm, of course i'm gonna come i went there and we had to go through the house with her oh. and like she, every piece she'd be like eh. she'd be like uh you know i might go to banff next year and i'm i need yeah. i need that fur hat for my trips and she had like 10 fur hats so i'm like i need yeah. those for my trip oh. to banff oh. and we're like oh this is crazy but um we ended up getting a ton of stuff but the worst part about that was you know, we were super nice. And whatever she wanted to keep, obviously, I'm like, you keep it, yeah, you know, course, do you. Yeah. And they ended up um, moving her out. I think they probably had an estate sale after we were there. But they had, a, they had like three dumpster loads that had already gone by the time we got there. So they had hazmat dudes going through the basement, pulling stuff out. Oh, and I yeah. guarantee you, because like all I got to do was go through her closets of like women's clothing. And um, I, I got cool stuff. And I bought a bunch of antiques, just weird, interesting knickknacks and old yeah, games totally. and stuff. And um, but I know there would have been like old workwear in that garbage bin or old t-shirts that they like use for rags in the garage. Got all that stuff that like, oh, yeah. as, 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 a, as a male picker, I'm like fired up. I'm like, give me the old Levi's, you know, and, but they're oh, yeah. throw, they throw that shit right in the trash. Cause those no. 100 junk guys come and just haul it away. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was like at that San Francisco sale. Like, I mean, I was going through bags of like, I mean, this lady kept, clothes that the kids had like soiled like it was like old piss and shit on it like in garbage bags dude seriously wow but like this is how savage though like i was like but what if there's like an old like levi's kids jacket at the bottom of this bag so i was just like dude it's just like it was like basically like dust but i mean i thought i did I, i dug through it you know I just put the mask on and like dug through it. I didn't find it. There was no, there, there wasn't anything at the bottom of that bag, but Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. You got to try. <laughs> That's know. how it goes. Okay. So you told me this off camera before. Yes. But I need to hear the story about the murder house. Okay. So the murder house. Um, so this is recently, this was in uh, November. Um, we got this contract, uh, and usually our contracts are in the peninsula. And this one was in El Sobrante, which is really close to my house. So I was really excited. I was like, good, I have to drive an hour to go to this house. Um, and usually I do prep for the sale. Um, but this time my boss was like, no, we don't need prep. You can just work the days of the sale. And I was like, God oh, damn. Because, you know, when you go do prep, you, you find all the good stuff. But uh, when the, my friend uh, who I work with, she was doing prep and I texted her. I was like, Hey, can, you know, should I come to the house and like do a pre-pick? And she's like, Oh, there's, it's kind of junky in here. You won't like find anything. And I was, okay. So like 10 minutes later, she texts me. She's like, Holy shit. This house is insane. When I get out of here, I'll tell you. So I guess when they showed up to the house, um, it was the, there was a grandmother who lived there and they met the daughter to get the keys to go into the house. And she said that the, daughter was like being real cagey and weird and was like, didn't want to go in the house and was worried that the days of the estate sale, she'd said, she said, so my, my grandmother died tragically 
And I'm just kind of worried that there's going to be a lot of looky-loos here on the day of the state. So they'll kind of like look around the house and they were like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, okay, like maybe she died or, you know, who knows, right? Like how she died. So, you know, they just kind of like, okay, she's like distraught, upset, took the keys um, and just were like sorting through the house. Um, And my friend who I work with, Holly Ann, she said that she found like a piece of paper with a lady's name on it. So she's like, oh, let's like Google her and like, see what happened. So they Googled her name and it turns out, so it was this, the grandmother and her grandson, he was like, you know, in his like late thirties, um, had kind of like fallen on some hard times and had moved in with her. And some time had passed the daughter, uh, of the lady. They hadn't heard from the grandma for a few days. Um, they were calling her, hadn't heard from her. So she went to the house to do a welfare check on her grandmother, who her nephew was living there also. And she had keys to the house. So she walked in the front door and walked in on the grandson cannibalizing the mother, the, the, his grandmother. Cannibalizing her mom. That is like, so dude, fucked. He, he was eating on her for like three days. Like we're point. talking like mouth to flesh or like yes, cutting like, her up and cooking her or. Uh. I don't know. Like, like straight, like not cooking. Like, so he had like a psychotic break. He was on drugs, had a psychotic break, stabbed her, killed her, and then lived in the house with her for three days and just was like straight munching on her. Oh my God. So I was like, holy sh... And there's a video on YouTube about it. If you look up El Sobrante, uh Grandma Cannibal, you'll, there's like a weird... Somebody made like a weird video about it. Um, So I was like, you know, my boss touched base about it. And I was like, oh, the murder house, huh? And he's like, oh, you do you feel okay like working it? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, I'm just not going to eat lunch in the house. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go eat lunch like <laughs> in my van. Like, I'm not going to like... Right? There so are the, some creepy vibes in that house. And I can dude, get that there'd be some some oh. uh, people interested in the macabre yeah, trying to just like come and junkies, like totally. killer junkies. So the first day we worked, it didn't feel as bad as I thought. But like people were making all these weird like dead body jokes. And I, they didn't know what it was, what that house was. But there was all this like weird dead body jokes. Like we had to, there was a, it was carpeted and then there was like an area carpet down on that. And like somebody bought that and we were like rolling it up. And I was like, Oh God, I hope there's no like blood stains underneath the rug. So that was the first one. So we rolled that up and we like took it out to the lady's car and like heaved it in the car. And the lady was like, Oh, it's like a dead body, huh? And we were like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if you only knew. Oh. And then, it was so gnarly. Like that day. Too, Is there not like, some kind of like disclosure that people need to know? Like, you're buying that, haunted shit from Murder House? I would, well, you know, like, for selling the house, yes, but not for, like, an estate sale. That's why I would say, like, maybe just always, like, Google the address before you go to estate sale. Make sure you're not buying so some, like, crazy. weird haunted shit. So, so that, and then that day was weird, too. Like, my boss was, like, he was, like, eating his, like, tamales, like, on the couch, like, in the living room. Like, where did it happen? And I was, like, oh, dude. I was, like, this is insane. I was, like, you're just, this is, like... You're, it's a nut. So then this the is, second, this is my third murder house this month. Yeah. I was like, ugh, and you know, so it was weird. But then, so then the second day, the second day we went, um, and he was late. So then 
we had the, me and Holly Ann had the keys, so we had to go in there by ourselves. And you know, you go in and you turn all the lights on, you have to like get the house ready and whatever. And like we, you, I walked in, we walked in and it was ice cold in there and it just felt like, I mean, even talking about it now, like, oh, this hair is on my neck stand up. It was so dark and like weird in there. So we're like, I was like, oh, we gotta get these like windows open, these blinds open and the back like fence open and all this. And so, like opening one of the blinds and there was a, like a leather lazy boy chair is pretty junky. And I'm like opening the blinds and the light shines on it. And there's just blood splatter, like all over this chair. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was, and then throughout the day, cause you know, people buy stuff and they mess up areas and you kind of got to go around and straighten stuff up. And like throughout the day, like me and Holly Ann kept finding stuff with like blood on it. Like there were like magazines with like blood splatter. There's like this cabbage patch that had like blood on its clothes. And so like, the cleanup, it wasn't, uh, it was a, you know, it was like a crime scene, but it wasn't an investigation scene because obviously, like, you know, they knew who killed the grandma. So, like, there was just, like, a basic cleanup. So, we're, like, selling, like, <laughs> blood splattered, like, shit in this house. I could, like, it was so <laughs> gnarly. I was, like, oh, my God. And, like. Um, the number one question on everyone's mind. Ugh. Was there any vintage? No. And not, no. And you know what? Like. My, my the dude I work for was like you because I usually pick something you know even if it's not like clothes it's like there's some weird like knickknack or a lamp or like a dope chair or something and uh or like a set of steak knives I was like oh, I need some steak knives but like he was like you don't want anything from this house and I was like no 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 not br-. I was like I'm not bringing like one thing into my house from this place like the vibe there the second day was like really weird like I had to go upstairs to like her bedroom to like close down the house and I was like oh like I was like trying to run down the stairs and like get out of there as fast as I can it was so you never met the the mom of the murder I I know the well the grandma's dead but I actually did meet the daughter because she had to come and give us keys on like the first day of the sale my boss like he forgot the fucking keys so I actually met her and I, so I met the woman the daughter of the grand, or you know, of, that was her mom. I met her. She was the one that walked in. And she so was it was like, it was her brother. Oh no, it was, it was her her nephew. Her nephew. Her nephew that had cannibalized the grandma. So what was her vibes like when you she met her? She was like, did not when I met her too. Like, uh, did not want to be at the house. She was like, okay, here's the keys, and was like out. Was yeah. like, was like, get me out of here. Get this I mean, thing sold. I'm out of here. Yeah, it was the. It was so, and it was on a weird like dead end street, and it's just. This part of Elsa Bronte, it's like very suburban, but like seven houses that were built in the seventies. So now they're kind of like junky and wore down. It was just like, oh, so fucking weird. It was weird. I was like, next level. This yeah, is when like, vintage and stuff podcast meets true crime. <laughs> I, know. I was like, I was like, okay, well, if I'm gonna be in the estate sale business, like I need to work a murder house. So like, it's like one of the worst things that I've like worked. So like, anything else is like, eh, well, I worked a murder house, so you know. Yeah, no, I, I not did a just lot a of murder like, house, a cannibalistic cannibal. murder. Yeah, a lot of sage after that, a lot of like, you know. No amount of sage can cleanse that <sighs> house. Yeah, no, I was like happy. To, it was like I felt like having the mask on, like obviously because of COVID, like kind of helped. Like I felt like it helped guard me from like getting taking anything. The spirits, in. the spirits <laughs> yeah. taking over your body, <laughs> dude. Totally, it was like oh, it was, that second day. I'm like oh, I'm just like makes me squeamish <sighs> thinking about it. Well, I'm anyway. glad we got the story of the murder house. This might yeah. go down as one of the best stories <laughs> on the podcast so far. 
Super stoked. This see what story... happens when you interview a lady? I know. What kind of geez. shit we see, man. <laughs> this this clip gets its own gets its own clip for sure because it's Hell so yeah. amazing. Ugh. And I now I'm now I'm gonna I'm spending my whole night googling this LeBron murder house. I'll send you the link for it the, for the video. It's it's like some weird like English dude narrating it. It's so fucking weird. It's weird. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, thanks for that story. <laughs> thanks, Drew. Uh, so what do you think's next as far as uh, trends in the female vintage world? Um, God, I don't know. I'm so... I'm what do you hope is next? <laughs> um, it's so hard. You know what? It's just so hard to say. Like, I... Because I I ebb and flow with the trends, but I just kind of like like I said, I kind of stick to the things that I know that I and I love because that's what I pick the best. You know, like the whole like t-shirt craze right now is obviously like super insane, and like I totally respect like people who have been able to sort of like dip into that and like make some money and who usually don't do that. Um, for me, I'm just kind of like, I don't really care about it. Like I don't really care about a shirt from like 2006 or something. I mean, I mean, it depends what it is, but you know what I mean? Like I just, it's not what I'm like passionate about. It's not like yeah, it totally. gets me excited. So I'm just kind of like, you know, um, do you have, speaking of, Sorry, speaking yeah. of the t-shirt yeah. craze, do you have any stuff from your skate days? Um, I, yeah, I do. I have some stuff. I have some like really weird. Um, I've got a cool old Santa Monica Airlines shirt. Um, Sick. Those are yeah. rare. I have, I think I only have yeah. one, and I've like been yeah. looking. Yeah, I have like um, I have the old like Santa Cruz with like the the crazy face on it, and like somebody drew like a dick on the back, which is hilarious. <laughs> I don't know where I got those to be honest. Like I was just clearing out one of my bins, like. Last year, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Damn, a score!" I was like, "I love being a hoarder." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know where these came from." And I like hit up a couple friends, like who grew up in Southern California. I was like, "Did you?" They're skaters. I was like, "Did you guys give me these?" And they're like, "No." And I was like, "I have no idea how I got those." But um, yeah, the stuff I have now is like weird. Like I don't know if people care about it. It's like early two thousands, like antihero stuff. Like I think if it was like I don't have any like shorties or world industries like that shit was all kid stuff to me so i didn't collect any of that you know what i mean it's like the stuff that the kids are nostalgic about because they were kids um so i like i have like weird stuff i don't think people care too i mean much they about. will eventually for sure yeah they'll, they will that's it'll, why it'll come around yeah it'll come around um yeah, it's funny because you know i didn't we didn't even talk about this at the beginning but um we don't know each other we just no. met today this is yeah, our first totally. this is our first real conversation <laughs> yeah how, how's it going for you? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I've lived some crazy ass lives, so you know, I always will, could talk about it and laugh about it. What I can like actually remember, you know. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and that's yeah, why that's why I, I love like doing to... this, and I get to meet people like you. Yeah, you literally same. hit me up on Instagram, and you're like, "Get more girls on the show," and I'm like, "Well, you're a girl. Let's do it." <laughs> I and like I was telling you, like I did not hit you. I didn't like. DM to like 
think anything. I just was like, oh, you know, like I've, I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts and they're like super entertaining and like, you know, they're some funny ass stories and like, it's cool hearing picker stories and like their big come ups and stuff. And, um, but I was like, man, I haven't like heard one like female on here. And I was like, I'd kind of be, I'd be interested to hear like, cause yeah. I mean, the majority of people that I know in the business, like personally are all women, you know? So like, I, I feel like, like I know a lot of dudes, but like the ones I'm like, you know, talk to more and more. Like um, women, so. Yeah. Well, like I told you, your sentiment is shared by many. So cool. um, definitely getting more females on here. And I'm, yeah, I, I hope the females really are stoked on this episode know? for sure. And I do have a list. Like I, I do want to get Liz on. Okay. Liz is a yeah, good get, friend. You got to get Liz on. I mean, she's been in this business for a while and she, I mean, she was like crisscrossing this country early on, like finding some like cool shit, you know, she's, yeah, she's, yeah, she's going to have some great stories. She's, oh, she's, yeah. a, she's a sneaker head. She's a raver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she teaches, she, she teaches at, uh, she yeah, teaches she like a fashion, like, a fashion history course or something, right? Yeah. She was teaching styling. Yeah. Styling. Yeah, so that's yeah, interesting. She's, she's an amazing stylist and just a really talented, like just gem of a person. She's just a real sweetie. And it's, you know, it's in this business, it's like a lot of times people get just so competitive with one another um, so there's like weird animosity and like, I'm not like that. I don't care. Like, uh, I'm not going to like tug on like a pair of jeans. Like you can just have them. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like Liz is just like, just a kind, kind ass person. That's like just always been open and you know, she's great. Yeah. Her, yeah. We're breaking down those barriers. Yeah, man. And, uh, do you know Molly from strange desires? Um, I don't know her personally. No. I mean, I'm a big fan of, um, what she does, she has great taste, and um, yeah. So I'm friends with her as well. Is, yeah, she's got great. Yeah, she she has a, a great eye, and um, yeah, no, she and it's cool. She's younger too, which I'm really like. I I like all the younger people that are like in the game now. I think you know, I think the vintage world like definitely needed it. You know, and like a lot will fall off, but a lot won't. And they'll learn more about older stuff. And it just, you know, cause you know, I know going to these like dusty old flea markets, you know, I was always like, it's not like I was, I'm super young, but I was always the youngest person there. And I just was like, Oh, this is so sad. Like such like a dying art to like pull up your RV and just like sell on a parking lot for like a month. You know what I mean? It's some like RV show that's like ends up being a flea market, you know? It's like, where's okay. all this stuff going to go? So it's cool to see like that. A, that is the ultimate freedom. Dude, that's what Hit, I'm talking hitting about. Hitting the road, baby. Yeah, that's with it. What, that's all it. you got that's in your truck. Yeah. You know, pop up at the flea market and uh, make yep. your money for your hotel and your dinner that night. That's, yeah, that's my, that's the life, you know? Like, I did that uh, a couple, I've been going to the East Coast a lot, and I did that, like, a couple years ago. I did two two months on the road. Nice. All the way, like, drove all the way to Portland, Maine, down to New Orleans. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. I need more time on the road. Yeah. I always say, we like, I got to do a trip here, got to do a trip there. I'm making time for these trips. So I'm just doing it because yeah. yeah. we only live once, right? Yeah, man. You got to make that time. It's, it's the best place to be. So I wanted you to nominate somebody, another female, for the show. Oh. Oh. Um, I think you should interview Kristen Klein from Vacation San Francisco. Okay. She's um, doing it. Yeah, she, yeah she's dope. She's a... Uh, She's a tour manager. She's been a tour manager for years for like a lot of crazy bands. And she has some like wild ass stories and she has her, she is a hustler and she has, you know, her story hustle. Who man, the amount of stuff she po they post every day. I'm like, Oh, 
I post five things. I'm like, I'm done. No, she's got like great taste, <laughs> good stuff, good stories. You know, she's a, she's a G in the biz. So, and she's, you know, she's a San Francisco gal. So she'd That's be awesome. cool to interview. Keep it in the area. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to you. Yes. Um, what is next for you? Because you're moving. Your, your store closed at, yeah. the end of the, at the end of the year, yep. which not a bad time to close considering yeah, you know. the world we're in right now. Yeah. yeah. What's I next? am. Yeah. Well, I had actually, I'm, I'm going to move. I'm moving to the East Coast. I'm going to move to Pennsylvania. I'd actually decided pre-COVID that I was going to move um, at the same time at the end of March of 2021. Um, the lab, the year, that year previous at the shop, I could tell, like, there was like, I felt like there was a recession coming. I just felt like people weren't spending as much and then just the neighborhood had changed. And I don't know, I think it was just time to like, I just really miss, I being growing up in Chicago, I just kind of like missed that side of the country. And I had such good luck picking the East coast and I've got, had from going out there a bunch of last like three to four years, I've got really good relationships with some, some old pickers out there. And I just, it's like where I just, am finding all the stuff that I like. And I was just like spending all the time on the East coast and shipping everything back. And I was like, eh, why don't I just, it's cheaper to live out there. I can buy a house. Like I can pick, I can like pick full time. I don't have to like bartend three nights a week to live, you know, the bear. So what expensive. town are you going to? Um, I am going to this town called Easton, Pennsylvania. There's a really cute vintage shop there called Second Base. They're they're cute. They're like uh, they're young. They're totally like streetwear, like but they're really cool. They're like really care about their community and um, they just do like cool stuff. They're like very involved in their community there. But yeah, they're, they're, it's a small liberal arts college town and nice, very small business friendly, and it's very central to the East coast and to the Midwest. So kind of, I can cover like, and down South, so I can like cover like a lot of uh, area. Cause that's what I do that a lot. I'm on the road a lot picking. So out there I can just cover a lot more land and get a lot more old stuff. And I'm going to start my own estate sale business out there as well. Cause I found that I'm sure I'll open another shop, but I working behind the scenes of an estate sale. I, I like it a lot. I like, learning about so many different things. I like really like being able to help the family and just sort of facilitate people when they're feeling overwhelmed and being kind of a matchmaker, like, Oh, I know a person that's really into like this eighties furniture. I can like call them and they can like buy this and make money and everybody makes money. And like, I'm pretty good at like matchmaking items, you know what I mean? And estate sale is like good for that. So yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an Onto interesting, it's an interesting business and yeah, it's weird. It's you are weird. joining, like you are joining the mass California exodus. I am. I am. It's a real thing. It's rough out here. I mean, I, th- you know, I didn't grow up out here, so I think it's, you know, obviously easier for me to move, but, um, it's so expensive. It's just insane. Like I want to buy a house. I'll never be able to buy one here. The fire season for me was, has been really hard and I feel very fortunate that I have the means to be able to leave because I know like obviously like millions of people can't you know um, yeah because you're basically getting smoked out part of the year now oh it's it's brutal it'd be like I would always I would do these east coast trips and they'd be like these epic trips and then I would come back and be like three weeks like you can't go outside and, you know smoke is a literal poison toxin that makes you anxious so was, I'm not an anxious 
person. I don't like really have anxiety. And it was just like, I was like, and you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just so terrible. It's like this collective grief with like how much like loss people have had through the fire. It's just like, it's pretty, it's really sad, you know? And I just, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just ready to explore another side of the country. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, I've been here for 13 years and um, I'm just, you know, the, a lot of like people have left and Oakland is still Oakland, but I don't know. Yeah. Just, no, I'm I just, feel I'm you. I'm just ready for the next thing. You know? I feel you. And yeah. I wish you all the best on your, Thanks, Drew. I appreciate your new, that. your new endeavors and your travels. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm from the East coast, so yeah. I can appreciate it Yeah, I for love it sure. Um, well, thank you for being real. Thank you for coming. Hell yeah! On. Thanks for the call and the interview. This was super fun. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm stoked you're gonna get more ladies on. You know, It'd be cool to hear their experiences. And um, yeah, just, you know, it's yeah, cool. To, I had a lot you know, of fun chatting. Hell yeah! Um, and now I think we're gonna be friends. Yeah, I think we're gonna be buds. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. We will yeah, meet up have, on the hear trail. Any other, like funny ass stories about. Off offline, I can tell you like the names of people. <laughs> I won't mention them here in the public. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Okay, everybody, follow Mind's Eye Vintage. Yes. Maya, Mind's Eye Vintage. Thanks. Signing off. Peace. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun recording it. Had a lot of fun getting to know Maya. I thought that was a really good episode. Really great stories. She's got a rich history. And I enjoyed hearing it. Hope you did too. As always, you can support the show by getting on the Patreon, posting stuff on there all the time, getting lots of new members. And I appreciate you all. I see you all. You get to ask the guests questions. You get access to the episodes early. You get bonus content. Again, shop FSNFrankVintage.com. 30% off with code VTGNSTUFF. That link will be down below. Hit me up, people. Follow me on Instagram. Hit me up. Tell me who you want me to bring on the show, and I will do it. I enjoy this shit. I enjoy the conversations. I like getting to know people. I like connecting with people. Thanks again. See you guys on the next one.